You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for being with us. We begin with that breaking news, sending shockwaves through the Sea to Sky region tonight. A brazen deadly shooting in the heart of a bustling and busy Whistler village on a summer Sunday in an incident that appears to be targeted but still put countless innocent lives at risk. Our Kamal Karmali is in Whistler tonight and a warning Kamal, the scene behind you and the details you're about to report are graphic. Sarah, we know two people are dead after a brazen daylight shooting here on the steps of the Sundial Hotel uh, behind me here. And you can see the scene is still very much active hours later uh, after the shooting took place at around 12.30 this afternoon. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team has now invoked its mandate. You can see how busy this area would have been uh, earlier this afternoon in broad daylight with several windows facing the area and people coming and going from the hotel. Police say it's a miracle no one else was injured. Whistler is a very safe community and a lot of visitors come here every year. Uh, violent crime is uh, something that we don't see very much in Whistler. So it's shocking to see this happening uh, in such a public area in our community. Uh, obviously we're concerned and we'll be uh, investigating this and, and trying to figure out exactly what happened and have all the information about explaining why and, and so on and so forth. Um, brazen, absolutely for sure. Um, dangerous for sure. Uh, anybody could have been uh, hurt in that time, but uh, we're glad to say that no one else was hurt and uh, we're hoping that we'll be able to get to the bottom of this uh, sooner than later. Now, RCMP say officers responded to the reports of shots fired within minutes since the RCMP detachment is just down the road from this hotel. One of the victims died on scene. The other died in hospital. Police have now arrested two males in relation to the shooting in Squamish after setting up a checkpoint on the Sea to Sky Highway. Police are also investigating a burned out vehicle found in Whistler. Police said since IHIT has taken over the investigation, they cannot confirm this is gang related, but say there is currently no threat to the public. But for a couple of hours, businesses around the area were completely shut down. There was a lot of fear throughout Whistler Village as shots echoed loudly in the area. I was out front of the store just checking on some bikes and I heard sound like fireworks, but knew it wasn't fireworks. And then, of all things, a little 10-year-old kid came running right down the road behind us and said, there's a shooting going on down there. So, basically, I went into the shop, told everybody to stay in the store, and then we locked the doors, because I definitely heard, like, probably a good 10 shots going off. Um, we locked everybody in the shop, and then we basically hung out until we sort of gave it some time and so, until it felt somewhat safe terrifying few hours for people here. People now just starting to make their way back into the village, Sarah. But even though there have been arrests made, this investigation still very much ongoing and RCMP are now pleading for the public to come forward if they witnessed anything or have any relevant information. Back over to you. Okay, two dead, two in custody. A lot of unanswered questions tonight still. Kamal Carmeli live in Whistler. Thanks, Kamal. And we will have more details on this tonight at 11 and as we get them throughout the evening. To Vancouver Island now, where the province's police watchdog is investigating a fatal police-involved shooting in Nanaimo this weekend. RCMP say they were called to reports of a confrontation between a man and a woman outside a vehicle stopped in the middle of Halliburton Street near Highview Terrace at around 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. When officers arrived, the man allegedly pulled 
pulled out a weapon. Officers opened fire and the man was fatally injured. He died at the scene. The Independent Investigations Office is now investigating this incident. We have new details tonight on that embarrassing about face from RCMP about the fake faces of two suspects in a high-profile jailbreak last week. As we first told you last night, the photos of those two men released publicly on Friday are actually stock photos available to anyone to buy online. And as Kristen Robinson explains, those with ties to law enforcement are asking aloud tonight how that error ever happened. Police believe we have identified the two suspects based on those identifications. The two suspects in accused killer Rabbi Al-Khalil's jailbreak initially identified from these photos, which turned out to be fake IDs available for purchase online on various websites. After Vancouver Sun reporter Kim Bolin broke the news Saturday, RCMP confirmed the previously released images of Al-Khalil's alleged accomplices are images that do not represent the actual suspects. This represents an RCMP ID failure in light of the <laughs> clear photographic video evidence that's available because this is a jail. It's believed the suspects showed the fake IDs at North Fraser Pre-Trial Center Thursday evening when Al-Khalil was able to escape in a white Econoline van with two others RCMP say were posing as or employed as contractors. The maximum security facility is equipped with high-quality cameras. It's got an incredible surveillance system, CCTV system, that is very clear and very accurate. I still don't understand why those images of them escaping are not shared with the public. RCMP say as soon as clear enough footage of the suspects is obtained, it will be released. BC's top cop says there may be investigative reasons behind the delay, and was surprised to hear about the stock photo release. I think the public deserves an, an explanation uh, from the RCMP as to, uh, as to why that was done. Mistakes can be made. One hopes that they're not, and that uh, what I think what we also want to ensure is, is that if there was a mistake made, that we learn from it, uh, that police learn from it, uh, to ensure that, uh, that it doesn't happen again. Al-Khalil is charged with first-degree murder in the 2012 shooting death of gangster Sandeep Duray at the Sheraton Wall Centre. His criminal trial is set to resume in B.C. Supreme Court, while a warrant has been issued for his arrest. Rule of thumb is, after 48 hours, you're gone in the wind. I'm just look straight ahead for me, please. Immigration lawyer Richard Curland says cameras and facial recognition software will catch everyone right at airports and land borders, so Al-Khalil may be lying low if he's still in Canada. It's a porous border. There are private planes that can kind of uh, sidestep some of the uh, biometric controls that identify every person entering and exiting this country. These are known criminals, now at large and apparently scot-free. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The suspect in a high-profile stranger attack in Vancouver last year has received a jail sentence of a single day behind bars. Security footage captured 50-year-old Stephen Forbes randomly assaulting a woman outside the Hotel Georgia on New Year's Eve. The victim was walking along West Georgia Street when police say a man grabbed her, threw her against the hotel, and held her down. Forbes, who has no fixed address, pleaded guilty to assault this past May and was sentenced to one day in jail and 12 months probation. He received credit for 12 days spent in custody pre-sentence. Vancouver police say this city is still seeing an average of four unprovoked stranger assaults every day. 
Now to an historic and unprecedented visit to Canada by Pope Francis on what the pontiff is calling a penitentiary pilgrimage. Today, the Pope touched down in Alberta, met by Indigenous and government leaders, as all eyes remain on the Catholic Church's long-awaited apology on Canadian soil. Quinn Oler begins our papal coverage from Edmonton and the Pope's quest for forgiveness. A very brief ceremony here as Pope Francis officially landed in Edmonton, the ceremony itself lasting only 15 minutes. The Pope was welcomed by the Prime Minister and Governor General. He then was treated to a military salute as well as drumming by Indigenous drummers before meeting with 25 different church, Canadian and of course Indigenous leaders. Grand's chiefs from the area, elders and residential school survivors welcomed the Pope and also asked him to walk with them on their path to reconciliation. The meeting bringing mixed emotions for many. Our people uh, have been traumatized. Some of them didn't make it home. Now I hope the world will see why our people are so hurt. You know, and uh, when you own up to a wrong, that's when reconciliation can start. I think this uh, visit is kind of long overdue. Maybe it's something that should have happened many, many years ago. Maybe the start of reconciliation would have started then. The Pope tweeting out today, Dear brothers and sisters of Canada, I come among you to meet Indigenous peoples. I hope with God's grace that my penitential pilgrimage might contribute to the journey of reconciliation already undertaken. Please accompany me with prayer. The Pope did not hold Mass this Sunday, instead taking the time to rest after the 10-hour flight and the time change difference. He will stay at St. Joseph's Seminary here in Edmonton. Quinn Oler, Global News. And there is some disappointment the Pope won't be coming to B.C. Donna Jules is a residential school survivor. She was key in the early stages of the work to confirm unmarked graves at the former Kamloops Residential School. That work helped galvanize the push for reconciliation and a formal apology from the Pope. She now runs the museum. She's part of a delegation traveling to Edmonton to hear the Pope's apology. Some survivors say they are grateful for the opportunity to be part of that Canadian visit. I'm feeling okay. I think I'm excited. My mom was very Catholic, of course. I am a residential school and day scholar survivor, so I spent a lot of years learning all about Catholics and praying and going to Mass and different things like, like that. And it's my mom helped me to uh, reconcile my feelings, I guess, you know, to come to terms with uh, because there was so much. Um, hurt that happened. There's still a lot of pain and uh, amongst our residential school people and, you know, the survival. Some are moving on with that. So I still feel their pain and I still feel their struggle as they are working to get their life together because this was not just impacting their life, it impacted intergenerational lives of our Indigenous people. In our community, uh, it's a it's, it's a mixed bag of you know there is going to be healing that is going to happen with the pope visiting mm -hmm. this country mm -hmm. and issuing again another empty mm -hmm. apology yeah. but uh you know there is also a lot of anger in our community in the history of what that entity has done in our communities i mean an apology is great but you know let's take it a step further and let's see them acknowledge the you know, attempted genocide of First Nations peoples, of our culture, of our history, of our language. I am hoping that it is going to be an expanded apology when he comes here to Turtle Island 
from me and I think it would be extremely important you know for our people to hear exactly why the apology and what the apology identifies and acknowledges but also the role of the Roman Catholic Church. And the Pope made the choice not Sunday Mass today because organizers of the papal visit said his first public statements on the trip will be at a former residential school in Alberta tomorrow instead. That's where the pontiff is expected to issue that highly anticipated apology to Indigenous Canadians. Sarah Comedina has those details. The Pope announced he was coming to Canada and in less than 11 weeks, volunteers pulled together to make it happen. Intense, exhausting, <laughs> sleepless. Uh, there's been so much to get done. Father Cristino Bouvet will lead Pope Francis during his visit. I could never have imagined being in the position that I am in now. It's a unique position. Father Bouvet is a Catholic priest and Indigenous. His cookum went to residential school. He hopes to represent his faith and culture. What has been asked for and what I think the Vatican is trying to deliver upon is that request of an apology being delivered on traditional people's territories, on, on people's traditional territories. And so Muskwachis in the, in the arbor, the powwow circle itself, uh, demonstrates that perfectly. On Monday in Muskwachis, the Pope will visit the former Ermanskin residential school site, one of the largest schools in Canada and head to Bear Park to hold a formal program. He is expected to apologize for the Catholic Church's role in residential schools. I hope that those who have been waiting for this or are hoping for this receive what they've been hoping for. Uh, if this is an aid to their own healing and uh, progress in their own individual journey of reconciliation. I'm very grateful, you know, that, that it's happening, that the Pope will be giving an apology and that it that it'll be happening here. Gilda Suze is a day school survivor. After her son passed away in 2008, she turned to the church for help. She says she has come a long way, but the apology on Canadian soil is a major step towards healing and reconciliation. I really truly believe in my heart, you know, that healing will happen. Um, the question you asked, like I said, that just being in his presence for me, is enough. As for Father Bouvet, he knows this visit won't help everyone, and he hopes there is understanding from everyone as people navigate their feelings through this historic moment. I hope we can see among all of our peoples is good relations uh, that will help restore unity in our country. Sarah Comedina, Global News. Now we understand this visit and these stories may be difficult for so many. There is support available for survivors and their families. The number is toll-free in 24 hours a day. You can speak in confidence at the number on your screen, 1-800-721-0066. Coming up, an honor and a heavyweight to bear. I wanted to make sure that I was doing things respectfully and honoring uh, the Indigenous people of this nation. The local pair tasked with outfitting the Pope for that exceptionally meaningful Mass tomorrow. That's after the break. Taking a look here at the Lionsgate Bridge. Absolutely stellar driving conditions for your beautiful sunny Sunday evening commute. Traffic is moving nicely in all directions. Whether you're heading up Taylorway or Capilano Road into North Vancouver or coming down through the Stanley Park Causeway into downtown, you're going to find yourself problem-free this evening. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at BCAA.com. In Global One, I'm Jeremy Tubbs.
Welcome back. The risk of wildfires is increasing right across the province tonight as we head into a hot, dry week with scorching temperatures. Victoria Famia now with how those living in the line of potential fire are preparing. Temperatures in the Okanagan are rising, which means the risk of wildfire is two. And while the Kamloops Fire Center doesn't meet the criteria for a campfire ban yet, it could be implemented very soon if hot and dry conditions persist. But one of the indices that we look at when implementing bans and restrictions is the buildup index. So that's the amount of fuel uh, available to burn um, and the dryness of those fuels. So um, it does consider the fuel moisture content that can infect affect the fire's intensity. That being said, we have not met the threshold yet to implement that restriction. The downpour of rain across the Okanagan over the last few months allowed for the region to recover from last year's severe drought and delay the start to the fire season. Coming into the season, uh, there was a holdover drought from last year. Um, so conditions were remained dry over the winter and, and we understood that there would it would take a significant amount of rain um, to mitigate those drought conditions. So far to date, the province has dealt with 347 wildfires, burning 11,000 hectares. A dramatic difference from last year at this time, when the province was faced with 1,200 wildfires that were burning around 400,000 hectares. And according to Global News meteorologist Yvonne Schell, the hot and dry weather is here to stay. The peak of the heat across the Okanagan will be for Wednesday, Thursday. We can see temperatures soaring anywhere between 36 and up to 37 degrees and overnight lows just down to 18. Not much of a reprieve for the evening. We'll likely have heat warnings that will be issued across the region. It is going to remain hot and dry and the big concern as we approach the next few days leading in towards the end of the month will be the fire danger rating. We're already sitting at moderate to high. We're not seeing any rain in the near future. And with that heat comes concerns heading into August. We are expecting increase in fire activity. Um, so we we are uh, we have additional crews on standby in areas of of uh, like of increased likelihood of, of new starts. So Currently, all open burns are prohibited in the Kamloops Fire Center and most of the province. However, by the end of the week, they're expected to be banned all across BC. Victoria Famia, Global News. And no major police incidents to report with the return last night of the Celebration of Light in Vancouver following a pandemic pause. Hundreds of thousands of people packed the beaches around English Bay as Japan kicked off the first of three nights of the fireworks competition. Vancouver police say officers had to deal with a few cases of having to reunite children with their parents or caregivers, but the rest of the night was largely dealing with the mass exodus of people leaving the downtown core. Police had this advice for those planning to catch the remaining two shows later in the week. We know that when you're Trying to get out of the downtown core and traffic's closed and you're waiting for lineups at the SkyTrain station, it can get a little bit of a little bit aggravating. Just encourage people to, you know, if you're getting if you're starting to get frustrated, cheer up, chill out, slow down, we'll get you out of here. This is part of the experience that everybody's waited three years for through the pandemic. Uh, so just enjoy it for what it is. It's part of the experience. And then there was, of course, the post-show hangover at the beach as crews cleaned up all the garbage and trash left behind by the crowds. It's yet another reminder to take home what you bring with you. On Wednesday, Team Canada will take center stage while Team Spain takes to the skies for the big finale this coming Saturday. Coming up, scorching temperatures and oppressive heat. It's too hot. It's too hot right now. 
The United States sizzle with concern rising for residents at the height of a deadly heat wave. Plus, Canadian killed in Ukraine, the death in the Donbass that hits close to home. That's after the break. Taking a look here at the Ironworkers Bridge. It is stellar driving conditions for your Sunday evening commute, whether you're heading up the cut into North Vancouver or coming down towards the Cassiar Tunnel into Burnaby, you're going to find yourself a problem for you this Sunday morning, Sunday evening. Sussex Insurance has auto ply and offices inside the real Canadian superstores and Walmarts throughout BC. Find your nearest location at sussexinsurance.com. Open 9 to 9 every day. In Global One, I'm Jeremy Tubbs. Global Affairs Canada confirming today that a Canadian citizen died recently in Ukraine. In a statement, a Canadian Foreign Ministry spokesperson says, quote, Global Affairs Canada is aware of the death of a Canadian in Ukraine and consular officials are in contact with the family and are providing consular assistance, end quote. But no further details are being made public due to privacy considerations. Media reports suggest the Canadian was with two U.S. citizens who also died in the Donbass region in Ukraine's eastern conflict zone. South of the border, blistering heat in parts of the United States is sparking wildfires not only in California but also in Texas, New Mexico and other states. The oppressive heat means more than 90 million Americans are now under heat warnings or advisories tonight. Jennifer Johnson reports. Sweltering temperatures are burning up the northeast U.S. this weekend with high humidity making it even more unbearable and dangerous. It's too hot. It's too hot right now. The heat is so oppressive, Boston's triathlon had to be postponed. And a similar event in New York was shortened, with participants told to take precautions. Extra water. Yeah. And we have medical staff on site just in case anything does happen. We've got trained professionals here. But now there are grave concerns about tens of thousands of New Yorkers who can no longer apply for cooling assistance benefits used to pay increased utility bills or buy air conditioners because funds have run out. Millions are flocking to community pools, but at least a fifth of them in Philadelphia are still closed due to a lifeguard shortage. With the high temperatures come big crowds and it becomes a lot of pressure on lifeguards sitting up there, especially in heat. It can be very dangerous. Don't let dehydration ruin your vacation. With deaths already being reported and dozens of hospitalizations for heat exhaustion and heat stroke, doctors are warning people to keep hydrating if you're outdoors. Symptoms can begin as quickly as 20 to 30 minutes. It's about the amount of time that you're exposed to the heat and then also what you're doing while you're in that heat. It is a sweltering hot day here in Boston today. Manager John Schneider's feeling it 34 Celsius. The show went on in Boston as the Red Sox took on the Blue Jays in the heat and high humidity. A hot day of play for the Red Hot Blue Jays as medics keep an eye out for fans braving the high temperatures to see the game. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Coming up, we head to Caribbean Days with our own Michael Newman. Plus, Yvonne is here with your forecast. That's after the break. Stay with us. Coquitlam is the epicenter of celebrating all things Caribbean this weekend with the return of Caribbean Days Festival. Our Michael Newman was there soaking in all the fun. Here on the ground of day two of Caribbean Days, the 33rd annual event, and it's been a great turnout in this new location in Coquitlam. Take a look. The first year at this new location in Town Center Park gave way to plenty of space for people to roam, find some shade, and enjoy the diversity of cultural expression from the Caribbean. 
there's not very many opportunities to learn about the diversity that exists within the Caribbean, not just in Trinidad. So although the Trinidad Society is hosting this event, I mean, all other islands are represented. And that's what we want to share is this diversity in terms of race, religion, um, the way people dress, eat, look. It's, it's really um, quite a cosmopolitan area of the world. Multiple generations of families continuing a legacy of coming to this long-standing community event. There's like so many memories of like my sister and I, we used to always come with our parents and friends and you just see everybody and everybody's so happy. And we want to make sure that the, there is a legacy that continues on and on and on because not only for those who, you know, a few generations in who are born and raised here, but then those who are immigrating to Canada that are coming from the Caribbean, they, we want them to, to, to see and know that we have something. Come, 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 come and enjoy it, right? It, so that they can also have that sense of home. I think it's important to uh, let your kids know about their heritage and experience the fun, the festivals and everything. And people waited in long lines for a taste of the island spices. It takes me home. I've got, well, I, I, my, my grandmother from St. Lucia and Guyana, and, uh, you know, there's, uh, we've got a lot of family back, back east that uh, we eat this every day, and reminds me of being a kid, right? So it's, it's the good eats. And true Caribbean hospitality, folks have left here with full bellies, with positive energy and island vibes in the heart of Coquitlam. Michael Newman, reporting from Caribbean Days. Okay, looks like so much fun and looks delicious. Yvonne Shell joins us now. <laughs> Yvonne, good to see you. No better day to be outside today as well. It was hot. Yeah, very hot. I wish we had smell-o-vision for that. But uh, mm -hmm. nonetheless, Michael gave us all the good tips on it. Uh, we are going to see temperatures even on the rise, even hotter through this week. We are just ahead of a heat wave, so I'll have more on that when we'll see the peak of the heat and how hot it will be in just a moment. A quick glance from our Wall Center hotel camera. We're sitting at 23. We've got a northwesterly wind closer to the water at 15 kilometers per hour. Range in temperatures when you factor in the humidex we're feeling into the low 30s and that's away from the water and many areas will be pushing closer to the mid 30s as we get in through the week. A few other hot spots across the province, Lytton at 36 to Sluice today, even getting closer to 37 degrees. That looks to be the hot spot across the province and areas near Kamloops up to 33. We are still tracking a bit of instability along the north coast with some rainfall. It is going to taper off. I wanted to give you a quick update. We've got some breaking news, and this is for Nash, our national forecast. Areas near Beaver Lake, we're actually uh, tracking a very severe and potentially deadly event with the damaging, with a tornado warning that is in effect across the region. So, a tornado is located seven kilometers north of Beaver Lake. It's moving east across the region at 55 kilometers per hour. Those winds could pick up closer to 100, so it's just a heads up with most areas underneath the severe watch and a few areas underneath the warning and that tornado warning. So stay tuned. We'll have more details on that coming up. But we are tracking that. And so far, it looks like a radar has confirmed a tornado across the region. That's in our national news. Back to our local forecast and what we're seeing for Metro Vancouver overnight tonight. A few clouds will be in the mix. We'll see temperatures down to 16 degrees. Heat is on for tomorrow. The humidex will be at 9 or very high. You make sure you're hydrated. Reapply that sunscreen, and we've got that range in temperatures between 25 and up to 30. All courtesy of this ridge, we've been talking about it, but please be prepared. It'll likely peak along the south coast. We'll see that Tuesday through Thursday, and for the interior, Wednesday, Thursday, and potentially into Friday, with many areas away from the water into the southern half of the province getting closer to 40 degrees. Heat wave on the way, and hot and dry conditions 
conditions continuing towards the end of the month. Into the low 30s is what we're tracking for the interior, closer to 40 degrees. It is going to be extremely hot through the week. And a reminder, our fire danger rating now picking up to moderate to high, and we're seeing it into the southeastern corners as well. The drizzle and precipitation will taper off along the north coast. It's hot, dry, sunny for all areas into the southern interior. Right along the south coast, we'll be seeing those temperatures soaring, but be prepared. The hottest days, the peak, we'll likely see that Tuesday through our Thursday away from the water, 33. Even tomorrow with the Humidex, we've got that range, hot, 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 31 away from the water, feeling like 36. Sarah? Okay, that is a lot of sun. Stay hydrated, seek out shade. Thanks so much, Yvonne. We'll see you soon. You are about to meet a remarkable brother and sister from the Kwantlen First Nation. They've teamed up to create a mural for the Fort Langley Jazz Festival, and this project requires some help from the public. Eleanor and Noah Atkins worked together on the outline for an Indigenous-inspired mural, and now people attending the festival this weekend can help paint the large piece of art in a paint-by-numbers format by picking a number and painting the corresponding number on that mural. The siblings say the theme for this design is rejuvenation, presented by a river surrounded by flowers, butterflies, and bees. Well, they actually put out an artist call, um, and they specifically were wanting Kwantlen First Nation artists, as this is our territory here in Fort Langley. Um, and so me and Noah decided together that we would uh, collaborate. And so we worked on a design together, drafted a few things. Noah did his drawings of the bees and the butterflies, and then we retrace those into my background that I did. Okay, those are some inspiring young Canadians for sure. Barry DeLay, mm. good to see you. Another uh, inspiring young mm-hmm. Canadian you've got coming up in sports. Yeah, well, you guys are wearing your Canadian red. I, I can't <laughs> wear that. I look like a carnival barker, so I, I don't wear red. <laughs> you've yet. got the red couch, it's the so memo. it's okay. As good as I got, I have the red couch. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, it's a big day for a lot of Canadians on the international stage. Brooke Henderson winning a big major in uh, France and at the World uh, Track and Field Championships. Maybe some surprising gold medal performances for Canada. So that's all coming up. Okay, looking forward to that. And coming up, we're back with a very meaningful local connection to this week's Papal Mass. Stay with us. When Pope Francis celebrates Mass at a football stadium in Edmonton later this week, he will be donning special ceremonial garments designed and created right here in B.C. The vestments will feature one-of-a-kind art and beadwork from a local Niska artist who hopes the pontiff's visit will help foster healing and reconciliation. Our Krista Dow got an exclusive first look at those vestments ahead of their official debut on Tuesday. They are by far the most meaningful pieces Susan Haug has ever created. This is the coat. A month's worth of stitching almost ready for unveiling at the Papal Mass on Tuesday. The vestments or official robes will not only be seen by millions around the world, but be worn by the head of the Catholic Church, Pope Francis. I have told you to do many times. I don't know why. It was just not working, but... Finally, it did. It's, it's really a blessing. It, it's just an honor for me to do it for the Holy Father. The vestments are what are used at sacred moments in the life of the church and the liturgy. We wanted to, to make sure that the colors would reflect the, you know, the traditions of the First Nations here in Canada. As the pontiff marks his penitential visit to Canada, the themes of truth and reconciliation and healing will be front and center, with the Pope's vestments and headdress featuring indigenous designs from BC Niska artist Julia Kozak. I wanted to make sure that I was doing things respectfully and honoring 
uh, the indigenous people of this nation. Each bead and color carefully crafted, each symbol representative of indigenous culture and values. There is an element of red in it. Red to the people in my culture, in my nation, represents life. Uh, there is going to be some copper elements to it. Um, to me, that represented the creation and the earth and nature. Some, some turquoise that represents water. Every bead that I sewed on, every stitch that I did was done with a prayer. As cultures and communities come together with the goal of healing. Maybe there will be a bit of a softening in, in hearts, of, of all of our hearts, and an openness to that reconciliation and, and moving forward. Krista Dow, Global News. And we will have full coverage of the Pope's six-day visit to Canada all week on all Global News platforms. Stick with us on Global BC, Global National, BC One and GlobalNews.ca for all of the updates on the papal journey as it happens. Coming up, Barry is back with sports, plus a whole different kind of athleticism. The return of the bathtub race. We'll tell you where. That's coming up. Celebrate pride and recovery in New West. Head to New West Pride on August 13th and be sure to catch the Untoxicated Drag Show. See local and international drag superstars as they raise awareness and end stigma of addiction recovery. CleanSoberAndProud.com for info. Rockin' River Festival returns to Merritt, BC for another legendary four days of music, friends, and good times by the river. Don't miss the great festival with headliners including Tim McGraw and Darius Rucker. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. If you wanna know, it's on the hub. If you wanna show, it's on the hub. If you wanna go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. Welcome back. Barry Delay joins us once again. Mm-hmm. Some pretty cool news from overseas in Europe. Yeah, well, very talented young. It's Canadian. amazing, and uh, you know, when we have our pro golfers and tennis players, they're they're not only playing for themselves, but kind of for the country because absolutely uh, people really follow them. They get invested in them, and they cheer for them hard. And that was the case today, even if it was an early wake up for everyone. <laughs> uh, thanks, Sarah. It wasn't uh, easy for Brooke Henderson. She struggled early in the final round of the Evian Championship in France, but she dug deep like a good Canadian, charged back to the top of the leaderboard to make Canadian golf history, becoming the first player to ever win multiple major titles. Only Brooke and Mike Weir had ever won professional major championships. Brooke had a uh, three-shot lead despite being one over for the round, but the nerves obviously got to her. This is for bogey, short little putt on the sixth, but, oh, she... Misses it, and it's a double bogey, and her lead is down to one. She's putted so well all week, but she is a fighter, and it's how you bounce back. How's this? Comes right back at the next hole and bends one in for birdie, and that kind of steadies the ship for a little bit. 14th hole, Brooke now down a shot, but her tee shot on the tough 210-yard par 3 is fantastic. This was the best of the day. Gets it to four feet. And she would make that for birdie. And now she is tied for the lead at 15 under. But uh, young American Sophia Schubert, who's never been close to the top of the leaderboard in a major, never mind a regular tour event, regains the lead with a birdie at 15. But Brooke also birdied that hole to set up this dramatic finish. Henderson with a birdie putt for the victory at 18. 
And this is what champions do. They come through in the clutch, rolls it in. She wins on a day when she did not have her best. Her second major title to go along with the women's PGA Championship title she won back in 2016. Definitely not the best today, um, but yeah, I just tried to stay patient and, and kept trying to remind myself that I was still in it um, and that I just needed some birdies and just needed a little bit of momentum change uh, to stay in it. And uh, I made some clutch putts and uh, shots down the stretch, which uh, really helped. And, you know, I'm just super excited to have my second major championship uh, win. Um, 12 wins on tour is pretty cool, too. And I'm just really excited for what the rest of the season holds. Great stuff. The uh, Whitecaps played last night like their mind was elsewhere. They fell 3-1 to the Chicago Fire at BC Place, their second straight MLS home loss. But now the focus truly is on Tuesday night and the Canadian Championship against Toronto FC. Vanny Sartini thought last night was his team's worst game of the year, but at least they can make up for it just 48 hours from now. I think it's the best scenario. It's the best scenario. We don't have to... uh cry too much or overthink what we what we do uh, tomorrow morning we go at it we have uh, two training session uh, to prepare the game being very focused on the game again most important game of the year maybe of the last few years that can give us uh, a trophy so yeah against a very good team uh, I think it's the, it's the to be honest it's the best situation after a game like this if we play like we can play, I'm not scared of Toronto. If we play like tonight, I'm I'm scared of everyone, to be honest. <laughs> I, that's the truth. Uh, it's we have to be honest, and you know, I again, I take full ownership of that. It's not it's not the player. It's like uh, it's us. It's us as a team, and we need to be better. Right there. Baseball today, Blue Jays looking for the sweep at Fenway. Toronto's bats were busy again. Top first, already up 2-0. Ronel Tapia, who had an inside-the-park grand slam, a part of that 28-run Friday night. Bases loaded again. This time it's a three-run triple for Tapia, who has been a pleasant surprise this year. 5-0 Jays after one. They got three more in the fifth. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. probably should have been out on this little tapper, but the Red Sox made a lot of mistakes in this series. It's an RBI infield hit for Vladdy. Jays win their sixth straight 8-4. Boston has lost 14 of 17. The Jays are now first in the AL wildcard, a half game up on Tampa, and now two up on the Mariners, who got swept by the Astros. Final day of the World Track and Field Championship from Oregon and Canada may just get a medal in the men's decathlon, despite Olympic champ uh, Damian Warner dropping out last night due to a hamstring injury. That's Whitby, Ontario's piece, uh, Pierce Lepage having a, a personal best uh, event right now and that was one in the discus he's also had personal bests in the hurdles and the 400 so two events to go and he's got an 81 point lead after eight events meanwhile vancouver's evan dumphy finished sixth in the men's 35k race walk you'll remember he won a bronze in tokyo in the 50k but the 50k is no longer 35 is the longest distance they do now and if you missed it from last night canada's four by 100 relay team also struck gold Aaron Brown ran the first leg. Colonna's Jerome Blake, who we featured a few weeks ago here on Global, ran a fantastic second leg to keep Canada in the hunt. Canada's smooth baton passes were the difference. And, of course, Andre de running anchor didn't hurt either, didn't run the 200 to save his energy for this race, and he comes through a world-best time this season for Canada as they win gold in this event at the Worlds 
for the first time since 1997 when Donovan Bailey was leading the charge. Formula One French Grand Prix, Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen in the front row, and Leclerc got off to a great start, but on the 18th lap, disaster spins out and crashes. Afterwards, he admitted it was all driver error. So for the third time this year, he bows out while leading a race. Frustration again for Ferrari, and that opened the door for Max Verstappen. Takes the checkered flag for his seventh win of the year and extends his uh, title lead over Leclerc to 63 points. Lewis Hamilton was second, his best result of the year. Canadian Lance Stroll got a point for finishing 10th. CFL tonight, Riders and Argos. Riders down 10 regulars due to COVID. Saskatchewan forced to go with their third-string quarterback, Jake Dolagala, has never played a CFL snap before today. He struggled early, but then kind of find his uh, form late in the first half. Dolagala with a great throw to Kevin Jones for his first CFL touchdown pass. Argo still led 11-9, but on the final play of the half, a uh, mysterious decision for the Riders to go for a 61-yard field goal. It's dangerous in the CFL because... Those big linemen aren't so good at tackling if it's wide, and it was wide, and Mario Alford picked his path and then takes off, makes a couple of good plays to uh, dodge tackles and stay in bounds, and then he is gone. A 112-yard missed field goal touchdown return. Riders now lead it 21-14 in the fourth. PGA Tour, a wild finish at the 3M Championship in Minnesota. Scott Piercy had pretty much led from the opening hole at a six-shot lead at one time in the tournament, but it all fell apart for the veteran on the back nine. He implodes on the par 4 14th into the water. He made triple bogey seven. He dropped five shots in a three-hole span and ended up finishing tied for fourth. So you feel a bit bad for him. Tony Finau went the other way, made four birdies in a six-hole span on the back nine, including this 32-footer at the 15th. Finau at 17 under par wins the 3M by three shots. BC boys Adam Hadwin and Roger Sloan both finished tied 38th at three under. The BC Summer Games have concluded in Prince George. Always so many great stories to tell, including this very inspirational one. More from Jay Janauer. Okay, I want you to tell me what you like the most about swimming. Mm, the fact that it's fun and I'm able to at least somewhat keep up with some of my peers. Bria Duncan is far too modest. Not only does Bria keep up with her fellow para-swimmers, more often than not she's leaving them in her wake. And we're not just talking about one discipline here either. Do you have a favorite discipline? Do you have a favorite race? How many races are you going to be participating in? Um, my favorite race is 100 breast and I'm participating in six races. There's your crack, yeah. Autistic and living with a joint disorder, Bria makes the most of every moment that she's in the pool. At the recent provincial championships, she swam her way to a boatload of medals. What did you do at the provincial championships? Oh, I won four silver and two bronze, and I got a lot of best times. Personal best? Yes. What do you see from athletes like Bria? Oh, such a sense of worth and value, and I can do this, and I'm good at this. And um, it's really uh, fantastic to see that growth. The BC Games is inclusive to every athlete. Para, special and able-bodied athletes all share the pool supporting and cheering one another on. 
And once again, it's another medal haul for Bria with six medals around a very worthy neck, six gold medals. This is one of the first times where I'm actually feeling challenged enough to go faster. Like, okay, I feel challenged so at all the meets, but this is the first one of the first times where I'm actually higher up on the challenging. Reporting from the BC Summer Games in Prince George, Jay Janower, Global Sports. Pretty Another inspiring story. Mm -hmm. Pretty proud athlete there. Thanks to Jay and mm -hmm. Trevor for going up to Prince George and uh, giving us some games action all weekend long. Yeah, have been loving their coverage all mm -hmm. week. Uh, coming up, a different sort of athleticism. Ready, set, row. We're going to Vancouver Island for some bathtub-related fun. That's after the break. Stick with us. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways, BC owned and operated for 75 years. Welcome back, Barry Yvonne. Yvonne, as if your forecast was not evidence enough, <laughs> here is a sure sign of summer following a two-year hiatus. Bathtubs were once again revved up for the big race on Nanaimo's waterfront this weekend. Take a look. <laughs> okay, that looks like fun. The crowd cheering on a pair of contestants in the 53rd World Championship bathtub race today. 25 competitors took part, but only six racers actually completed the more than 60-kilometer course, which took them all about three hours to complete. And what a rush it was for those boaters to be back on the water. The beginning was fun. There's a, I saw lots of tubs beside me, so I'm like, this is going to be a race. But as soon as we got around the winch, the uh, entrance island, it just got really rough. And there's a lot of people bailing out and just lots of troughs. I don't even know how a Tupper's even made it in. This is awesome. It was crazy. <laughs> I heard he got swamped out by the oh, Chelsea. Yeah, right behind uh, Five Fingers there. Had to get a re-going and kept jump back in and made it to the beach not as easy as it looks apparently right. and Yvonne a lot of British Columbians want to stick close to the water this week yeah you want to try and stay cool uh, temperatures really starting to heat up and keep in mind the heat wave uh, the peak of the heat Tuesday through a Thursday away from the water we're into the low 30s okay and Barry will see you tonight at 11. Mm -hmm. now, you're gonna get wet in a bathtub I was gonna say <laughs> <happen>. sure <laughs> that's all for us tonight thanks for being with us on this Sunday have a great week we'll see you next weekend